morning and welcome to Destiny Church. Please stand with me as we open up with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you, Father God, for this opportunity to come once again into your house with our brothers and sisters. We thank you, Father God, that your word tells us that you are already here for where two or three are gathered, there you are in the midst. And as we begin to praise and worship you, Father God, you will come in and you will inhabit those praises and as we worship you will come in and you will sit with us you will commune with us yes. and I thank you Father God that every weight that would so easily beset us we will lay it down Father God and worship you in spirit and in truth we will lift up our voices we will open up our mouths we allow our hearts to minister to you Father God and to bless you oh God we will withhold nothing in our praise and our worship Father because we will not rob you of what is due we thank you, oh God, that this is a privilege and an honor to be in your house. It is a privilege and an honor to be in your house to worship with like-minded and like-hearted people. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you and we shall worship. We will open up our mouths. We will open up our hearts. We will open up our minds and we will give unto you what is due unto you. What we, will, what we would not give to the world, we will give to you, Father God. We will not pour out throughout the week and give to our jobs only to come in and half-heartedly worship you and praise you. No, we will sacrifice when we don't feel like it, when we are hurting and all of these things, all of these excuses that we could have, we will put them to the side because we recognize who you are. And I thank you, Father God, that you will move in our praise. You will move in our worship. And those times when we stop thinking about everything that is going on in this world and we focus our minds and our eyes on you, Father God, all things else will be added unto us for your word tells us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and everything else will be added unto us. So Father God, we don't look for your hand right now. We don't even look for your, your presence. We want your face, oh God. We want your face, oh God. We want to come, we want you to come in. We want to feel your manifested presence in this house today. And we thank you right now, Father God, that that is an expectation that you are more than capable, more than willing to fulfill. And I thank you, Lord, when our words come forth, when our songs come forth, I thank you they're coming forth from hearts that are filled with love for you, filled with adoration for you. And I thank you, oh God, that chains will be broken in this house today. Chains will be broken in the homes of those that we love and care for. Chains will be broken in this nation, in this land, and in this world, oh God. There is power in our praise. There is power in our praise. And we will not allow our praise to be thwarted by anything. Father God, we thank you, oh God. We thank you, oh God. We praise you, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Good morning, good morning. We are about to blow a shofar. I was looking for a real one this morning, all right? But we are about to blow a shofar. And so I want you to know what this means. The shofar is a cry for salvation. It literally cries salvation. You need to know this sound, because one day when Jesus splits that eastern sky, you're going to hear a noise from heaven, and this noise is going to be the shofar blown by the, by the angels of heaven. Come on, people. This is what we celebrate, the salvation of the King. Yeah. 
Okay. I'm going to get through it, I think. It's Communion Sunday. Thank heavens. So if, if you haven't received the uh, elements and you would like to take communion with us, just raise your hand and, and somebody will bring them to you. So Friday morning, Miss Karen had been studying. You should be so privileged just to live with a woman of God like her. Anyway, she was studying. She was telling me what the Holy Spirit was leading her to understand about uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, the first verse reads, The old system of living under the law presented us with only a faint shadow, a crude outline of the reality of the wonderful blessings to come. This is talking about, the whole chapter talks about the sacrifices. And how that they, they used the, the blood of goats and bulls again and again and again, but it never satisfied. It never completely satisfied our Father. It never made the people, they, they walked around with guilt again and again and again, just over and over. But then Jesus came on the scene. The writer of Hebrews, I, you know, I kind of think it was Paul, but I'm not certain. Nobody seems to be certain. He takes a time out from what he says, and he says, he took a minute, and he does a quotation from Jesus. Okay, so this is Jesus talking here. So when Jesus the Messiah came into this world, he said, this is Jesus talking to God his Father. Since your ultimate desire was not another animal sacrifice, Jesus says this, you have clothed me with a body that I might offer myself instead. Multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice. This is what he says. Jesus says to his Father, I will be the one to go and do your will to fulfill, to fulfill all that is written of me in the world. When we needed him, he said, I'll go. You know, when I was a kid in Sunday school and stuff, it kind of seemed like Jesus came on the scene when he was born of the Virgin Mary. And as a little kid, that's kind of the way I pictured it. That's where he started. But we got to remember, he's been there since the beginning of time, whenever that was. Always been there. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he's looking down at you. He's looking at down at you. Just waiting for the next thing you ask him for. Just eagerly waiting to hear from you. What do you need? What does my child need? He's close. Now, how close is he? He's as close. He's as close as you want him to be. Karen sometimes reads, I don't have Facebook. Karen sometimes reads to me things from Facebook. She says, Is that really true? And I said, Well, baby, that's sort of like true. That sounds good. There, there's some truth in that, but. I think it just makes us feel good and it sounds good. Okay. Now we're getting to the part where it says when we do communion, we should examine our hearts. I'm going to encourage you to examine your heart for this. For the things that sound kind of cool that you tell yourself to make yourself comfortable. I do it. I lie to myself. I say, this is okay. That's okay. 
This is why we take a minute to examine ourselves. It's not that we don't know. We just haven't looked closely. We take a moment and we look closely and say, what is it that keeps me from being so close to Jesus that I feel like the child that just ran and jumped up in his arms and he held him and he prayed blessings over them? That, that sweet place where we're just right up next to him, we know all is well. We all have relationships with people. I have a relationship with my wife. I know when things are not well. Don't fool yourself. You know when things are not well with you and God. He's right there. It's up to you to just examine your heart and kick out the stuff that's not really true and, and deal with the truth that He loves you. ask you as we begin to look into our hearts that you would actually show us the things that are sort of like true but aren't really true and let us deal with those things with your Holy Spirit and walk right up next to you. Um, let's take the bread. you, Lord, for your body that was broken, the immeasurable sacrifice that you made that we could have life eternal, life eternal with you. Let me take the juice. Thank you, Lord, for your blood that was shed that washes away the sins of the world. Not just this whole wide world, but washes away my sin, God, washes away these people's sin. Every one of us. None of us are so special that you can't wash away our sin. Thank you, Jesus.
on together. Let's just ask him to have his way. So come and have your way. Lift it up. Have your way. Come and have your way. So come and have
let's just end with a heaven song. To the one who sits upon the throne, be blessing and honor. This is what the angels say. Glory and power. Can you feel that this morning? Oh, just sit there for a second. Come on. Just let that minister to you, his presence. Come on, Holy. Oh, Father. Man. Can I be honest with you? That, can I be real? Is real okay? You know? Sometimes you just got to cry out to him. And it doesn't mean things are wrong, but sometimes it's that worship, it's that cry out, it's that shout out. You know, I was on the way to the church this morning, and man, whew, I just started screaming. And I just started shouting for my family, and I just started shouting for this family. And I said, the enemy's not welcome. And I said, Lord, I'm going to cry out to you this morning. I'm going to shout out to you so bad I'm losing my voice because he needed to hear it he needed to know that I was crying out to him that I don't need anything else (laughs) I don't need anything else anybody else I just needed his presence and I need him to know that I loved him that much oh when you shout out to him (laughs) man he answers and he shows up oh and he loves you he wraps his arms around you Oh, it's so good. So what started out as a a shout moment in my car turned into a weeping moment. And then I had to get out and pump the gas (laughs) as I'm weeping and crying. And people are like, I don't know what's wrong with this guy. 
when I broke the law, I didn't turn my car off. I just had to worship music cranking. And I'm like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to pump gas in my car with tears in my eyes. It's almost like I didn't have the money to get it. That's how I was that thankful. I've been there. I've been there where I was that thankful. But I was so thankful for his presence. Just driving this morning. And man, when you can come together as a family like this and we can shout out. And we can cry out. And it's in your own thing because it's all coming from you. And we can do that together. Oh, his presence will come fill this place. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's about worshiping him. That's why we come together on Sunday. You don't come together on Sunday to get some fancy word from some guy with a microphone. You come to worship him. You come to cry out to him. You come out to give him everything you got. You come out to give him everything you got every single Sunday morning. I just feel that this morning. I just feel that this morning that he just wants us to cry out. Come on. Oh. Oh, man. Come on, Father, speak to us. Uh, We love you, Lord. Come on, can we just cry out to him? You got something? Go ahead, bro. Oh, we thank you, God. You know, I was playing the drums back there and uh, had to stop. I got completely wrecked. That's normally what happens when you hear the, the voice of the Lord. It completely wrecks you. I'm pretty good at doing a couple of things at the same time because, you know, I'm a drummer. <laughs> but I couldn't. I couldn't continue. And I just heard the voice of the Lord, and he said, uh, let the king of glory come in. That's right. Holy God. And it just completely unraveled me. I heard him say, let the king of glory come in. And then when I thought I finally was a little over it and I was better, I was better. I heard him say, the king of glory is here. Come on. And I saw the king of glory walking through the chair. Come on. Yes, Father. Oh, the king of glory is in this place. And right before Pastor DJ said anything else, he said there's still like two or three people that need the king of glory to touch them this morning. That's right. There's a few people in this place that need the king of glory to touch them this morning. I'm talking the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the touch that will wreck you. It will change your life forever in a good way. Sarah, if you could just lead us into something. I just feel the king of glory is in this place. And this morning, if you leave here without a touch from the Father, it will be on you. Remember that woman who was just desperate? She was so desperate to touch the hem, you know, to touch the the robe of Jesus. She was desperate. She didn't care what everybody else thought. She didn't care who saw her. She was desperate. She wanted healing. So this morning, if you're desperate, if you want a touch of Jesus, if you want the Lord, if you want the King of glory to touch you this morning, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. And I want to worship Him. And I want to worship Him without caring who's around you this morning. Come on, worship the King of kings this morning. 
we cling to you, Jesus. Come on, cling this morning. Cling this morning. Receive your healing. Receive your joy. Come on, fight for the hem of his garment. She had to fight her way through. It wasn't easy. She had to fight. She had to want it. She had to get it. But he was right there. He was right there for her. And he is right here for you. Come on, fight your way through. Come on, get your healing. Come and get your joy. Come and claim back your hope. Come and claim back your marriage. Come and claim back your son, your daughter. Come and take them back this morning. In his glory. It's in his glory. That's the manifested presence of our King Jesus. We're going to stand in his glory. Everything is changing. We're going to stand in its glory where everything is changing. Come on, just declare everything's changing this morning. Everything is turning around. Everything is turning around. take you to a place this morning. I want everybody to, to close their eyes. I want you to focus on Jesus for a second. To fill his spirit. To fill his holiness. To fill his love. I'm about to speak in tongue. And the Lord says he's going to speak to you. I want you to listen. Don't 
don't listen to me, but listen to the voice of God. Jesus, let your spirit flow. interpretation which was proper but it was God God is here God is moving if you need yes. anything I'm not a preacher I'm not a music leader but if you need anything you need to be down here you need to be on your knees wherever you're at or standing with your hands up to heaven because there's no better time like right now he is here I mean I just can't hardly contain him so have your way father have your way
Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in Give heaven. Give us this day our holy bread. Give us this day us our trespasses. Forgive us for our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Come on, come on. What a, that's how we finish that right there. Come on. His is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Come on, can we lift up a shout of praise in the house? Can we honor him this morning? Can we give him what a king deserves in the house? Come on, we love you, Father. Ha-ha! <laughs> oh, Father. Woo! Mm, come on, we love you, Father. Oh, take a moment, collect yourself, say hi to somebody. And we'll be right back. Still waters lead me through the valleys lead me. 
everybody doing? <laughs> you guys doing okay this morning? All right, we got a couple. I know that's kind of tough to come out of that moment. It's kind of hard to get back into the, the groove of, of, of excitement when you're just completely drenched in his love. That's so good. That's so good. That's what we seek every time we come to be in his presence is just that right there. So. so if you're new to Destiny, welcome to Destiny Church. I'm DJ along with my wife, Jules. We get the honor to pastor here, and we just love you guys, and we love this church, and we love our church family. And if, uh, come on, <laughs> man, it's hard. I look out, and, you know, yesterday we were jam-packed in here, so I think a lot of people uh, forgot it was Sunday because yesterday we pretty much had service in the house. Uh, it was standing room only, and I think people probably woke up this morning and said, oh, man, I guess I, yesterday wasn't Sunday. But that's okay because you're here for a reason today. God has a word for you. God has a word for you today. That's why you're here. But if you're new, do me a favor. Fill out a Connect card. Let us know you came today. That's important. I love to reach out to people that are new. Um, they take the time to fill out the card. I like to, to write a letter. I like to reach out to you. We like to call you. So please, if you don't have one, you can get one at Connection Point. Big wooden desk out in the foyer. Uh, don't miss that opportunity. Let us talk to you. Let us just pray for you. That's about it. Um, we're not trying to get anything from you other than to um, get you some information. Uh, if you need to know more information about our church, you can download our app, or you can simply go online and get all the information about everything that's happening at Destiny. I believe that's all I'm going to say about that. There's all kinds of stuff out there. There is baptism coming up here next month, so if that's been on your heart, contact the church, sign up online. We'd love to, uh, to do baptisms. Uh, that's just what we love to do, and it's a blast. We get to celebrate it, and uh, it's coming up next month, so I look forward to that. So, Father, we love you. And we thank you, Lord. And Father, we just surrender to you today. Father, I ask you to touch my heart, touch my lips, Lord. Let everything that come out of my mouth be ordained by you this morning. Father, we just surrender everything to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, man, it's a good morning. It's a good morning. I'll tell you, we had, a, we had an amazing day yesterday. Uh, we have an amazing family in this house. And I thank each and every person that had anything to do with yesterday. Come on, can we give our church family, I mean, we had everybody from setting up to cooking, to serving, to parking, to cleaning, to child care, to clean up, to production, to worship, to greeting, to ushers. And I can probably keep going because I probably left some stuff out. But we were able to come together as a family, which is what we do. Uh, it's who we are. And we got to honor and, and celebrate uh, the legacy of, of a man whose life was taken way too early. But we got to do that as a family. And what, what we got to see is the healing power of the Holy Ghost. We got to see people come in with tears in their eyes and weeping. And we got to see them smiling. And we got to see them celebrating. And we got to see them fellowshipping afterwards. And they weren't crying leaving. They came in crying, but they didn't leave crying. And that's because they felt the love of the Lord. They felt the love of our church. That's who we are. That's what we do. We love on people because that's what we're told to do. And we're going to keep doing that. And we can't do it without you. So thank you so much. They were overwhelmed yesterday just by by our love and the love of the father and that's all we can expect when we come in um that's all we can expect so so yeah even got me because yesterday we uh <laughs> we finished up and i was like oh what a great service <laughs> and i was like oh i got service tomorrow <laughs> i was like 
I was like, I prepared so much for that because I knew how emotional that was going to be. And um, I got home and and locked myself in my back room and said, all right, Lord, what what do, what do you want me to share with everybody this morning? And um, man, he just he just spoke to me in a different way. And he said, this is what you need to share. And then I needed confirmation. So then he gave me confirmation. And I really felt this morning I needed more confirmation. And he gave me more confirmation this morning. So I turned to my wife during worship, and I'm like, oh, what am I supposed to do now? Right there, he just did it again. Um, so sometimes you just got to take your hands off the wheel and say, Lord, what do you want me to say? And I never know why I'm supposed to say it. I don't know, um, you know, what it's going to be like. I can tell you it's going to be different this morning. Worship's been different. This is going to be different this morning. Um, I'm going to try to let you into my brain a little bit. That's scary. Um, but because I, I don't know where that goes. Um, but man, I, I was really trying to get into this. And uh, last night I sat there and I'm just like, all right, Lord, I see what you have. And I know what you want me to say. But what do you want me to say about it other than what people have already heard? And he said, just trust me with this one. So, um, so yeah, I think this is going to be good today. So just bear with me. Um, most people, what I want to speak on today, most people have heard this. They've probably recited it a million times. Um, they've seen it, they've heard it, uh, and it's, it's called the 23rd Psalm. And God put it on my heart as I was preparing for the, the memorial service. Um, and if you're wondering what's that got to do with identity, nothing right now, but give me a second. I'll tie it in. Um, but, uh, but, but as I was preparing for that, uh, I just kept reading that over and over again because it's one of those things that, that we consistently go into. It's, it's something we share at memorial services. It's stuff we share at funerals. We share it, you know, in, in all different kinds of places. You know, in the military, you know, when I was in the military, it's something that we, we, we recited before we went into an area of operation or it's a, it's a place where you're going to go and you know you're going to deal with battle because you knew you were just crying out to the Lord. So I remember reciting this thing. I remember speaking it, but I, and I've studied it, and I've said it a million times, but, but this time when I got into it, it was like, totally different and I was like all right and this time you know uh what I did is I, I read it in the passion translation so if you if you ever want to get messed up like I could almost quote it in in the new King James or the NIV but when I opened it up in the passion I was like okay well, that just reads completely different and it, it started just stirring in my heart and uh, uh so that's where he wanted me to go this morning um so that's what we're gonna do uh, things just started popping out to me with that. And so I'm going to share a little bit with it because here's what I think. And no matter what, however, no matter how many times you hear the same verse and how many times it's brought to you, God's going to give you a rhema word through that. He's, he's going to speak to you through that verse and it's going to be different. Like he spoke to me and he gave me something completely different. He's going to give you something different. So so don't turn me off. And, and, and I don't even know how this is going to go because I'm going to more teach this morning. I'm not going to preach. Um, so we're going to just see where he wants to take us. But I really wanted to share kind of how I looked at this. I'm just going to walk you through my process of, of reading it in the New King James and then reading it in the Passion and how much it spoke to me in those areas. And it started defining it more for me. It, it's more of a study process. It, it broke it down. So I'm just going to break it down for you this morning. I don't want you to leave here this morning not knowing what that verse actually means. Um, and I think that's important because we can say a verse over and over again and never actually look it up and go, well, and never study it and say, what's that verse all about? Like, how's that? How do I apply that to my life? And I believe that's where this is going this morning. So this is going to be a talk, I think. 
I don't know. I can already feel like it ain't going to be a talk. Whew, because I think of this, and I, I started thinking about when this was written, and this is David out in the field as a young shepherd boy working for Jesse, his father, and he's out there, and he's 16 to 17 years old, and he's by himself, and he has a whole, you know, just, is it is it a herd of sheep, a flock of sheep? Somebody help me here, because my mind's going, I think it's a flock. At least it's a flock. It wasn't a pack, so we're good. But there was a whole bunch of sheep, and, and, and you can imagine what he was going through at that time. Could you imagine being the age of 16 and you're spending your nights and days out in the wilderness with nobody else? It's you and a bunch of sheep that you're responsible for. It gets dark. It's not like this where you just see like cities lighting up all over the place. He's, he's out there. He's dealing with everything. He's dealing with every fear inside his body. He's dealing with every negative thought in his head. He's dealing with everything his dad told him or his brother said to him. He's dealing with the fact that he might have lost a sheep or two. He's dealing with the fact he's going to have to answer for that. He, he is out there dealing with everything. The fear of the world is on him. I don't think David was a shepherd boy that was like, bring on the world. I don't think so. I think he was scared. I think he was a frightened teenager. And I know that feeling because when I joined the military at 17, I thought I was prepared. I said, I'm ready to go fight for my country. And I remember being prepared for that. They take you through the walks, and they take you through the talks, and they take you through the training. But when you walk on the battlefield, when you walk in places where things aren't happening the way they're supposed to happen, there's a fear that's inside of you. You can't stop that. Like, it's there. You just have to deal with it. You just have to deal with it. You need to know how to deal with it. And I believe the only difference between some of us and him is that he said, I know where to send it. I know how to deal with my fear. But it's normal. It was natural. He was a fearful 16-year-old boy trying to do what everybody thought had to be done. And he was put in charge of so much. And he was trying to honor that. And he had to face it. So that's where I want your mind to be as I read these verses today. And I'm going to read it out of New King James first so you actually know what I'm talking about. Because if I read the other one, you're going to be like, what's he talking about? Never heard that before. So I'll read the New King James Version first, just so you know what verse I'm talking about. In case you didn't bring your Bibles, it will be on the screen. Um, so the 23rd Psalm reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, when you read this, most of the time at a funeral or a memorial service, we read this yesterday, um, a lot of people focus on that last verse. Oh, he's dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. By the time you get to that, they forget about everything else. So, so that tends to be the verse we go to for those moments, and you just say, yes, they're dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. But there's so much packed into this. There's so much that's built into this. So what you do is, um, 
I'm going to read it in the Passion. And, and when I read it in the Passion, it's going to sound different. Why? Because what the Passion does, it takes the, takes the Hebrew and the Greek and it combines it and actually uses multiple words in there. So it starts tying it together. Why? Because back, you know, when they wrote this originally, the people would understand that because that's, what, that's how they spoke. That was clear English for them, whatever it was. But for us, it's not. So when you read the Hebrew in this and you break the words down, you start, you start figuring out where they get their roots from and you start mashing it together and you go, oh man, that's good. And the Passion Translation does that for you. It puts it into something relatable to us. So I can just imagine David sitting out there and I can imagine as, as he's writing this and he's, he's saying this constantly and he's singing it, it, that this is him and he's saying this over and over and over again because the fears keep coming up and they keep coming up. And he's just constantly trying to fight it back. And he's trying to be strong. And he's trying to do the right thing. And this is how it applies to your life today. So in the Passion Translation, I want to read it. And it will sound different, so if you don't have it, it'll be on the screen. Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace near the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Even when your path takes, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my cup overflows. So why would I fear the future? Only goodness and tender love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence. And that changes the meaning of that when you read it in something different. It starts hitting home. It starts sounding personal. It sounds like he's talking to you. It's not bad to read different translations all the time. I'm not saying every translation is perfect. I'm just saying that, that if you do your research and you dig into it, you can see how a lot of these fall together and they line right up. Sometimes we're just using a different word for the same thing. So we're going to break it down a little bit because this is how I think. Like I said, I, I you know, you just got to bear with me because this is what he told me to do. So you're just going to get that part of it today. So as I started breaking this down, I got into that first verse, and I'm just going to cover it in the passion, and I can tie it in if I need to. But it says, Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. And I was like, that means my best friend. I got some best friends. I got some people I can call on that I call my best friend, and I know they're going to be there no matter what. No matter what. They got my back. They keep my deep, deepest secrets. They know everything about me. They've always been there. They're not going to judge me. They're just going to protect me. Before I came into ministry and was saved, I had some best friends that was willing to do whatever I needed them to do for me. They'd fight for you. They'd protect you. That's the way it was. They were best friends. So when I started reading it, I was like, man, he's my best friend. He's never going to leave me. He's going to be beside me in everything I do. He's going to be walking in me. He's going to be with me. He's gonna, he has my back. 
no matter what somebody says about me, no matter what, what I'm believing in my head about myself, he is right there as my best friend saying that's not true. That's who he is. He says he's my shepherd. He says he's my best friend and my shepherd. And the word commonly used for shepherd is taken from the root word ra, which is also a Hebrew word for best friend. That's why you get both of those in there. That same root word is also shepherd and best friend. So all they did in the passion is they brought it together. And they said, well, he's both your best friend and your shepherd. That's why in other versions it just says the Lord is my shepherd. In the passion just puts it a little bit further. So this comes alive when you live in beloved identity. This is why it's so important. We're, we're in an identity series, but I thought I was going to break apart from this because here's the thing. The identity is the foundation. When you understand how much he loves you, when you understand how much that, that – when you understand how he thinks of you, you're his son, you're his daughter. And when you understand that belovedness, you can read these, the scripture and these verses totally different. This is the next step. It's when you start understanding your identity, understand who you are in him, and you start applying it to everyday life. And he goes, but it's going to start by applying it to the word. Don't read the word the same way. Read the word like I'm talking to you because I love you and you need to hear it. So it also says that the shepherd is over. He's a lover of the flock. But that's also a, a different term for it. I can't pronounce all these, so I, try, I won't even try to get into it. But it said he is a shepherd and a herder. That's what he does. And the first word, roa, which comes into it, it comes from the root word ra, which throughout the Bible is connected to, to companionship and affection. And that's where you start seeing. So where I'm letting you in my head is this is what I have to do when I read scripture and I go, oh, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, you just better start digging into it. <laughs> but this is what you should do to scripture. You should start digging into it and saying, well, well, what's that mean? What's that really mean? And when you get into the Hebrew and the Greek, it breaks it down. There's lexicons out. There's all kinds of ways to break this down. But see, the shepherd was just not responsible. He wasn't just a responsible overseer, right, but a caring father figure. That's what he was. Says he was a caring father figure, tending tending to a flock with a deep sense of love. That's what he does. That's who the Lord is. That's who your father is. Mm. They were also fierce protectors of their flock. They just didn't tend to. They protected it. It was pretty serious. It just it was just like Jesus was a protector of his flock, of us, to the point where he laid his life down to protect us. See in Isaiah forty eleven. This is where it ties back in when you start seeing what the prophet says about it. It says, he will care for you as a shepherd tends his flock, gathering the weak lambs and taking them in his arms. He carries them close to his heart and gently leads those that have young. So Isaiah tells us that the shepherd gathers the lambs into his arms when we're weak. So when you're weak, when you're dealing with stuff, when you're dealing with stuff in your mind, when you're dealing with stuff in your heart, when you're dealing with stuff in your family, at your job, when things are making you weak, he's just gathering you up in his arms. And he's holding you close to his heart so that you can hear his heartbeat on your ear. Because he loves you that much. Just like his kid. The same way you would do it with your kid if your kid fell down. If your kid had a problem, you'd pick him up and you'd hold him tight. And you'd want to feel their heartbeat. That's Father. That's Abba. 
see you first. That's who loves us. That's what this is saying. That's how much he loves us. He's that kind of shepherd. There's a special bond there between a shepherd and the animals they shepherd. And all those qualities that go with that bond, that, that explains two things. That explains two things. That's how we are. This is what happened yesterday. We as a family came together and we wrapped our arms around the weak, the people that were suffering, the people that were dealing with something. That's what we do as a family, and that's where it's displayed right here. So the Bible compares God to a shepherd who watches over his beloved people. That's what he does. He's always watching over them. He's always got his eye on them. He's always waiting for the cry out. It's just so neat how everything is lining up today with what we were worshiping to. And I was like, man, Lord, keep it coming. So he was, Jesus was replying, he actually called himself the good shepherd. Says, so we're going to cry out to him. When we cry out to him, he is our protector and he's our friend. But he takes us crying out, like he did this morning. There's nothing wrong with that. You can cry out in your own home, you can cry out in your prayer closet, you can cry out in your car, you can cry out in the church. He's there just waiting for you to do it. He's waiting for you to just cry out to him and welcome him into your heart. And when you do, he protects you. He heals you. He guides you. He steers you. That goes on to read. It says, uh, i got to go all the way back to the top. So it says, Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. He says, I will always have more than enough ties right into that I shall not want means I'll lack nothing when I have him you need to declare this in your life this needs to be declared over your life that he is all you need you will lack nothing when you surrender to him he'll fill up every desire in your heart he can take care of any addiction that's happening in your life he can take care of any relationship that's not been right, anything you've been asking for in life. Maybe you've been praying for kids and you can't have kids. Maybe you've been praying for a spouse and you won't get a spouse. Maybe you've been praying for, for uh, your kids to be healthy and it's not happening. He says, guess what? I'm, I'm your shepherd. Cry out to me. That's what he's saying. He says, cry out to me. Because when you do, when you trust in me, you lack nothing. I'll give you everything you've been wanting. I'll take care of it. You won't want it anymore. You won't. you got to cry out to him. See, that's the key. I, I know. I, I was there. I know what that looks like. I know what it's like to cry out that, Lord, I've lost my family. I've lost my finances. I've lost everything. You're the only thing I have left. And he restores it all. And not only restores it, he gives you abundantly more than you've ever had before. That's good stuff. That's how you read this. You'll lack nothing with him. It doesn't mean you're not supposed to want. He's not saying don't want stuff. He's just saying that you can want it. But trust me on this one, that, that, that with him, he's going to give you everything emotionally, physically, spiritually to get you through even if you don't have it. Because he wants to bless you. He wants you to have what you want. But sometimes that's not going to come in your time. It's going to come in his time. And through those times when you're wanting and you're wanting and you're wanting, guess what? He's there to comfort you. He's there to wrap his arms around you. He's here to take it all from you and say, guess what? Don't worry. Live in peace. Let me comfort you. This is more than enough. 
do it all. He'll give you more than you can ever ask. In John 10, 26 through 28, it says, Yet you stubbornly refuse to follow me, because you are not my sheep. As I've told you before, my sheep will hear my voice, and I know each one, and they will follow me. I give to them the gift of eternal life, and they will never be lost, and no one has the power to snatch them out of my hand. That's powerful. He says, you're my sheep. You'll hear my voice. And I hear, I hear your voice. And he goes, if you just surrender that to me, nothing will ever snatch you out of my hand. You'll never want. You'll never be in lack. And he's going to take care of you. And I'm sorry, but this is how I read it. This is what processes in my head when, when I go through this. He goes on to read in the second verse. It says, he offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace near the quiet brook of bliss. That lines right up with he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still water. So he's talking about meadows. What he says here when he's talking about this, he gives you a resting place. He takes you out of the wilderness where you're struggling, and he says, I'm going to bring you. They would bring their flock to the field where they could graze, where it was safer. Why? Because you could see the enemy coming. So he says, when you, when you come to him, what he wants to do is he wants to gather you, and he wants to take you to a resting place. See, the sheep could rest. They could, they could rest in the field because they were safe, because they trusted the shepherd. And the shepherd could rest because he knew he had a better eye on everything coming around him. Here's the thing. When you rest in his love, when you learn to do that, when you just say, Lord, can I just rest in your love? That's where he wraps his arms. His love, see, his love is actually his light. We talked about that. God love is God light. So, so if God's light is love, right, so we have God's light in us, and when we rest in his love, we rest in his light, darkness can't come around, right? You, you can't. Darkness can't be anywhere light is. The only time darkness exists is when there is no light. So he says, guess what? If you rest in my love, if you rest in my light, there will never be darkness around you. But you have to rest in that. You have to believe in that. You have to seek it. You have to give it to him. Greek verb to love is agapeo, which is merging the two words for two concepts. Ago, which means to lead like a shepherd, and teo, which is a verb that means to rest. So that's where that comes from. Love is our shepherd leading us to a place of true rest in his love. That's what it is. His love will lead you. He wants us to feel that. He wants you to feel his peace. He wants you to feel his joy if you'll just come rest in his arms, if you'll rest in his presence. And it goes on to talk about the, the oasis there. It says, um, he tracks me. He tra his tracks take me to an oasis of peace near a quiet brook of bliss. Think about that. You ever been in a desert? You've seen deserts on TV. If you've never been in one, it's hot been there 
but, but if you've ever seen one, there's an oasis, and you want to get to the oasis, right? Why? Because that's where the water is. That's where the refreshing, that's where you get revived. That's where you get restored. And he says his tracks, he's going to walk a track. Why are they his tracks? Because he's gone before you. He says, let me go before you. Let me clear the path before you, and you can follow my track. And they're going to take you by the oasis. They're going to take you by the place, right, the still water. They're going to take you by the place that will refresh you. But he doesn't say he's going to make you drink. He says, I'm going to take you by it. It's up to you to drink from that. It's up, it's up to you to receive that. He says, I'm going to take you by it, now receive it. There's a lot of people, you'll walk right by it because you're not willing to drink out of it. There's a lot of people living in the same stuff they were living in before because they're not willing to drink out of the oasis that he just walked you by. He says, it's time to drink. Drink from it. Receive from it. Feel the comfort from it. John 4, 14 says, but if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never be thirsty again. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, flooding you with endless life. Hmm. Flooding you with endless life. Come on. If anyone drinks the living water. He says, drink. I'm walking you by the oasis. I'm walking you by the still water. But you need to drink. And when you look back over your life, how many trials were outweighed by his love in your life? How many things have you gone through in your life that you have walked through now that are now behind you that you can say, thank you, Lord, for walking me through that. Thank you for guiding me through that. The word says that weeping may endure for a night, but the joy comes in the morning. So we are completely at rest in him, fully trusting him fully trusting him and that's a special place to be we were down in Tampa this whole last week that's why Kevin was preaching didn't he do a good job I love you Kevin I couldn't even watch it bro so couldn't even watch it because uh, we don't do online services anymore we're going to have training for that if anybody's interested but man we were, we were going down to Tampa so I could say goodbye to my grandmother um, and what a man what a ball fight wow but going into there we had to trust in the lord because as we were going in there was a hurricane coming right through and the eye of the hurricane was going right over her city she lives outside of tampa so my aunts call me and they're like hey um you probably shouldn't come in and i'm like hey i'm coming in like i don't live out of fear like that ain't happening i said i believe in this i said we're going to rebuke the storm she's like you're going to do what i said we're going to rebuke the storm she goes, it's a Category 1 hurricane, and the weather department says it's coming in. I said, it's just the weather, people. Let me look around. It's just the weather, people, brother. We got a weather guy in the house. So, But I was like, no, we're, it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn. We're coming. And as we started coming, you saw it. It got stronger. It went from a tropical storm back to a hurricane. And I'm like, no, I just kept praying. I just kept praying. When we got there that night, um, the news comes on and it turned and I'm like okay well then we were still supposed to get hit some but now we're there and I'm like now nah, you really messed up I'm in the eye I said that's a problem because I'm praying and that thing turned completely out of the way we got just a little bit of rain and we were supposed to be in the eye of the hurricane 
And I said, Lord, I'm just going to rest in you. I'm not worried about this. All these other people, they're buying stuff. They're going out. There. I said, you know what? I'm just going to give it to you, Lord, because I'm going in to see my grandmother because <laughs> she's part of my flock. And I said, I'm going to go see her. He said, and that storm's not going to stop. And that's the attitude we need to have when we rest in his way, when we rest in his arms. Because even if the storm would have come, I guarantee you we would have been safe. I believe that much that he would have protected us. But he did, and he just wanted to make sure I saw it. And it was neat. It was like this way and then that way. And I said, that just don't happen. Yeah, so it didn't want to mess with me. Really didn't want to mess with him. He was just working through me. But I was not quitting. But it reminds me of this story about this father who was holding his little blind daughter in his lap. And a guy walks up and cries out to him, let me hold her. And he hands her, hands his daughter to him. And as the guy takes his daughter, his daughter, you know, he, his, he asks his daughter, he says, hey, do you, doesn't that worry you that, that somebody took you? And she was like, no. He goes, you gave me to him. I trust you. See, sometimes we got to trust our father the same way. we got to trust him so much that we're blind. And we don't know what's going on. And he has the whole story written out. We don't know why things happen, but we have to be in such faith with him and trust in him so much that we're willing to say, it's okay, you got it. Why? Because you're my father, and you wouldn't let anything bad happen to me because you're going to get me through it. It might hurt for a season, but, man, it's going to be better at the end of this. We'll go on to the next verse so I can get through this. Verse 3 says, that's where he restores and revives my life. Where? At the oasis. That's where. He says, that's where he restores and revives my life. So I had to go back, and I said, okay, well, let's see. Where? And it says, he offers a resting place for me in his love. So when we rest in his love, and we allow him to walk us by the oasis, that is where, that is where he restores and revives my life. I've got to rest in his love. I've got to drink from his water. And when I do that, when I do that, it's going to revive everything in me. It's going to restore things in me. It's going to restore relationships around me. It's going to restore the finances that are broken. It's going to restore the pain. It's going to get everything that we've gone through. It's going to be restored when we rest in his love and drink from his water. And he opens before me the right path. Doesn't say the wrong path. It says he opens... He opens before me the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness. So he says, I'm going to show you the path, and you're going to walk it out so we can bring honor to his name. That ties right in with he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. See, there's a lot of things when life drains you. Life will drain you sometimes if you allow it to. All the activities, everything going on in your life, all the places you do and all the stuff you do and everything that could really get to you if you let it it'll get to you it'll drain you it'll suck every bit of energy out of you and you're just left with being tired you're left with being tired but as david found out god restores our well-being when we pursue what pleases god see that's how david got through it he pursued what pleases god I want to walk in your righteousness. 
so he shows us what to do. He tells us what to do. He wants us to follow his word, his guidance, and when we do that, it restores us. Right? It, it, when we rest in him, it restores us. And you see this, it actually defines it as circular paths of righteousness. And what it de- it deals with the, the, the sheep, and the sheep used to walk up the mountain. So if there was a mountain in front of them, they wouldn't walk straight up the mountain, they would walk around the mountain. Numerous times. They would just keep walking around, slowly going up, slowly going up, slowly going up till they got to the top. Why is that important? How many times in your life do you feel like you're going in circles and you're doing everything right, but you don't feel like you're going anywhere? And he says, no, 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 no. If you're walking in my righteousness, if you're walking in the path, guess what? You're going up the hill. And as you go up the hill, you're getting stronger. This is becoming a mature Christian. This is where you say, yeah, but I'm praying and nothing's happening. And he says, well, keep praying. He goes, you're just walking up the hill. I'm not going to take you up the straight path. You're going to walk around the hill. And as you do, you're going to grow and you're going to mature and you're going to get stronger and you're going to walk in my righteousness and I'm going to carry you further. And and guess what? I'm going to restore even more. It, It doesn't seem like it's in your time. But it's not supposed to be in your time. It's supposed to be in his time. Our job is to maintain. Our job is to not stop walking around the hill. Our job is to keep moving. He says, I need you to keep moving if you want to get to the top. Doesn't matter if you trip. Doesn't matter if you fall. Doesn't matter if you stumble. He says, you got to keep moving. If you keep moving, I'm always there. that's what it's referring to. Each step we take following our shepherd will lead us higher. Even though it may seem like we're going in circles. Verse 4 says, even when your path takes you through the valley of the deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me for you already have it. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely. shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, fear can't stay in you because the Father and his peace is in you. You need to understand that. His peace and his comfort, and when his peace and his comfort is in you, there is no room for fear in your life. And as David's writing this, I believe that's what was going through him. As he's out there in the fields, he is so filled up, and he's praying all the time, and he's worshiping the his father and he goes I'm so full of your peace and your comfort the stuff that's in front of me I don't even care anymore you're going to get me through it and when it talks about his authority it refers to a rod and a staff but it also refers to his authority on everything but it, it ties right into your rod and your staff they comfort break that down, you want to look at what that is. The rod and the staff, they were both used to keep um, for the predators and for the sheep. It was used for both. Because guess what? The lion's out there. The word says that, that, that the, the enemy is like a roaring lion, and he's prowling around. Right? Ready to devour. Ready to kill, steal, and destroy. So the staff, what that represents, he always carried a staff in gives us one, it gives us rest. His staff will give you rest. The staff was a tool to lean on. 
to. So, so what the shepherd would do as he was walking in the fields, he would use this staff to lean on when the ground wasn't level, when, when things weren't, um, when there wasn't a solid foundation. He said, I need to lean upon your staff. That's what it was used for. That was one of the uses for it because it was sturdy. It was even when he was exhausted. So when the shepherd was exhausted, they'd have to lean on the staff. How many times have you been exhausted where you've had to lean on his staff? He says, look, when you're tired, when you're weary, lean on me. I got you. He says, lean on me. And the staff was also used for rescue. So in the fields, if a sheep started going in the wrong direction, they would use that little curled piece of the staff, and they'd pull them back out of the weeds or pull them out of the, the, the thickets pick them up if they got hurt they could lift them up with it and get them back with the, with the rest of the flock so it was it was a point of rescue so God rescues us in the same way if we experience trouble if we're experiencing things in our life if we're dealing with sin in our life if you surrender to him he promises to be right there and he says I'll use my staff to pick you up to pull you out that's what he'll do the staff is also a guide they would use the, the staff to actually guide the sheep so, so his staff would, would guide the sheep across the open fields, through the hilly hill, I mean, through the hillsides of the cliffs. He would guide them with it to keep them on track. I believe God's doing that in our life. He says, if you listen to my word, if you read my word, if you listen to me, if you listen to every detail I give you, I will guide you. I will guide you in your life to keep you safe. A lot of times we don't like that because that doesn't align with what we want to do. We're like, but I want to go that way. But the shepherd says, but I need you to go this way because it's better for you. And when he leads us, he'll bring us to those places. What did it say before? He leads us to still waters. He leads us to the oasis. He does that with a staff. You guys, you guys okay with this so far? I'm just kind of talking, talking to the family right now. What he puts in my head sometimes. He also, other than the staff, he has a rod. And now the rod, not like you've probably been told, is not to beat the kids. That's not what it's for, Kevin. Get that one off the plate, man. But it's actually, they actually use the rod to defend the sheep against the enemy. So they, they would attack the enemy with the rod. It was big, strong. It was, it was a, a very hard object that they could, they could beat the enemy up with. And since the sheep weren't very smart, it was up to the shepherd to actually defend his flock. That's why he had it. That's why he had the rod. It wasn't to beat the sheep. It was to beat the things coming at the sheep. But he would go before him, and that's what God does. Father goes before us with his rod and he takes down the enemy and he clears a path for us so we can continue walking in the right direction he wants us to go but that rod was also a symbol of love because they would the shepherds would use the rod as a counting mechanism as a counting mechanism it's actually if you go back to Leviticus it'll tell you that the rod was used by priests to count the tithes well 
shepherds would use the rod and they would hold it out and they'd use the same methodology when it would come in and the sheep would walk by, they would use it as like a counting point so they could count the sheep as they come by to make sure they never lost them. Why does that matter? Because he counts you. He counts you in his family. You are one of his. And he has eyes on you all the time and he wants to know where you're at because he loves you. And he's counting you everywhere you go to make sure you didn't fall off and to make sure you didn't fall away, to make sure you didn't slip, to make sure you didn't give up, to make sure you didn't give in. And he says, I'm counting you every step of the way. And he does that with his rod. chaperone something at school a bunch of kids on a bus I coached high school football same thing you're always like uh oh where'd he go we lost one you know that's trouble or if you ever went somewhere with the Purdue head count all the time how many we got we got them all here count them up same thing right it's important you don't you don't ever want to lose somebody right and he doesn't want to lose anybody He's so passionate about you. You're his child. He loves you. He loves you. He will not lose you. He's going to do everything in his will to to, to not lose you. But you have to drink from the water. You have to make the decision. You have to do something. And that comfort of his love takes away our fear. verse 5 says you become my delicious feast even when my enemies dare to fight you anoint me with the fragrance of your holy of your holy spirit you give me all i can drink of until my cup overflows that pulls it right out of the you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies we were singing about that this morning here's the thing when i read that immediately i said you become my delicious feast. So I'm feasting on him. I'm feasting on his word. I'm feasting on worship. I'm feasting on prayer. I'm feasting on his presence. Every cent. You know, you know what a feast is. You just eat until you can't eat no more. I did it yesterday. We had a feast. And I was sitting there, I'm like, whoa, I can't move. I was sitting right in front of the dessert. Don't ever let me sit in front of the dessert. I thought y'all had my back. Move me somewhere else. But I got home and I was still, I was like, oh, I need to take a nap. But here's the thing, that's a feast. And he says, you need to feast on me. You want to get through stuff? You want to make it through the hard times? Feast on me through those hard times. You want something different? Do something different. Because if you're getting the same results, if you're getting the same results of what you're doing right now, you're not doing it right. He says, you want something different? Do more. Do something different. You want to get rid of an addiction in your life? Feast on him, not the addiction. And when you feast on him, all of a sudden, everything else goes away. 
that's how it works. I mean, and, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic with it, but you want to know the answer right there. When you feast on him, he takes away everything else. He's all you want. Kind of like Mr. Sharon's cooking. <laughs> but he says, you become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. They dare to fight. You can't fight me. The enemy doesn't have a choice. He can't come at me because I'm so full of the Holy Ghost. I'm so filled up with his spirit. He's going to protect me. He's going to guide me. You can't do nothing to me. It changes your perspective when you walk with that in your heart. When you're so full of him. He says, feast on me and they can't even dare to touch you. Every bad thought in your head's gone. The only thing in your head is him. And that's going to get you through your stuff. And it says, you anoint me with the fragrance of the Holy Spirit. That's what the oil is. It represents the, the Holy Spirit. So when you spend time with him, our enemies can't even be close. They have no solid ground to stand on. Verse 6 says, so why would I fear the future? Only goodness and tender love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterwards, my life is through, I'll return to your glory, glorious presence to be forever with you. See, when you understand who we are in him, and you accept the fact that you are beloved, you know where you're going. You just know, and you're just waiting on returning to him. You're, you're returning to him. Remember where you were beforehand with him. He created you before everything else. He gets you back in the in the big word I, li I like saying now is the paraclete. It's the circle dance. It's the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and you're in the middle of that love. You're in the, you can imagine the love of that circle, and you're in the middle of it. You're living in the middle of love. That's where you get to go. In the middle of love. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, that's what we're in this for. We're changing lives, and we're going to get the kingdom full. But I'm not going to worry about what's next, because I know what's next. And I'm going to receive that. It says, in, in the scripture, it also says it will return to Yahweh's palace. That's what that means. You'll spend eternity with him. And all that. We get to be part of that. We get to live that out. So look, when you read this verse, just don't read it. Allow God's word to reveal itself to you. Allow God to give you a word through it. Research it more. Dig into it more. Man, I've, I've said this and I've recited this so many times. But when I read it this time, he just released something completely different to me. And I was like, well, I'm going to study that. And now you got to study it with me. So what we see here is a perfect display of Father's love for that's what this is all about. A perfect display of his love, his protection, his guidance, his ability to lead us and steer us on a dangerous, scary, and sometimes what we think is an unbearable circumstances. He is with us. He will guide us. He will lead us through it. Man, he wants us in his presence. He wants us. He counts us as family. We're his flock. And maybe 
comfort food. Maybe that's something you don't have. You don't know what that is. You don't understand what it's like to feel like you're part of something bigger than what you've ever seen. Maybe you've been in a valley and you just can't get out on your own. He said, well, grab a hold of my staff and let me pull you out. He said, that's what my staff's for. He said, allow the authority of my staff to pull you out of wherever you're at. I realize something. I've been pulled out of some stuff. Spiritually, emotionally, physically. You ever getting pulled out of the mud in your truck? Let somebody pull you out of the mud. <laughs> Don't fight them. It's not worth it to fight them. Let them hook up and just yank you out. And that's what he said. He said, I'm going to bring my staff down there. I want you to grab a hold. And I just want you to rest in my presence and let me pull out of whatever mess you're in. I'll restore what's lost. I'll bring joy and peace and comfort back into your life. Just grab hold. Grab hold. So if you're going through some stuff today, I'm just going to ask you to pray to allow Abba to grab a hold of you. Let him grab your heart, though. Let him wrap his arms around you. Feel his love. Feel the love that he has you through his gift. And always remember, we're not in this alone. Anything you're going through at this time in your life, you're not in it alone. He's right there with you. In fact, sometimes he's already gone before. I've already cleared a path. It feels like a circle, but man, you're climbing a mountain. And if you stay on that path and you keep keep moving, I'm gonna get you to the top. I'm gonna get you where you need to be. But you gotta trust me. You gotta trust me. He's just waiting on you. He's just waiting on you to let him do it. And that's what this verse. That's 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 what this verse is about, and that's why this verse is that's why you see it, but not a lot of people understand what it means. But I want you to read it this morning, well, I'm going to read it, and I want you to receive it this morning as I read through it one more time. I want you to let it pour into your heart. I want you to let it heal stuff. I want it to let, let it speak to you this morning. Let Father give you a rhema word for this this morning. It says, Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace near the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Even when your path takes me through the valley of the deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me already have peace your authority is my strength and my peace the comfort of your love takes away my fear I'll never be lonely for you are near you become my delicious feast even when my enemies dare to fight you anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit you give me all I can drink of you until my cup overflows so why would I fear the future only goodness and tender love pursue me all the way to 
than afterwards. When my life is here, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. Amen. You receive that this morning? Come on. I believe this is working and weighing on some hearts in the building this morning. If you're in here, this should be just tugging on you. I believe, man, you can get into a rut. You can get into a rut with your spiritual walk. You can get in a rut with anything you're doing in your life. You can trip, you can fall, you can stumble. And he says, don't worry. That's why we are crying out. We are crying out this morning in worship. Why? Because, man, I just need you to pull me out of some stuff right now, Lord. Sometimes it's not something you put yourself in, but it's the worry and it's all that stuff that you allow to, to, to weigh you down as you care about other people. And he says, I'm going to pull you out. I'm going to help you out if you just trust me. So I believe there are people here who need to allow him to love you this morning. You need to allow his loving arms to wrap around you. And you need to feel his love. So I want to invite our prayer team forward if you're here. Come forward. I believe this is a time. This is a time of of healing. This is going to be a time where you can cry out to him. This is going to be a time when you just say, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need your staff. I need your authority to pull me out of everything. And I'm going to surrender it to you. And maybe today your first step is actually accepting him into your life as your personal Savior. That's important. You want to be part of the flock. He says, I love you that much. I created you. Now I want you to be part of my flock. I want you to come home to me. I care that much about you. That no matter what you've done, no matter what's happened in your life, no matter how bad it was, he's always been right beside you, whether you've known him or not. And he's just been waiting for you to call out to him. And he wants to do that this morning. He wants to grab a hold of you. Ephesians 2, 18. Salvation is is never a reward for good works or human striving. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't strive your way in. There's no that boys that are going to get you there. It's a gift. And the only reason why you don't have it yet is because you haven't received it. It's almost like you've got a, you know, he wants to give you a birthday gift. You don't want to accept it.
that's you, that's what you're here this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, and you say, you know what, I want to make a decision. I want to follow Christ. I want to be part of the flock. And I want to grab a hold of this staff right now and say, guess what, I'm in some mud. I'm in some mud. I'm dealing with depression. I'm dealing with hurt. I'm dealing with fear. I'm dealing with loneliness. He says, man, I'm here to help you. I can fix it all. get something out of this everybody good all right well guys our prayer partners are up here i'm going to turn it over to kevin to close this out if you need prayer before we leave come up here so we can pray for you amen oh what an awesome word amen oh god is so good oh we thank you jesus we thank you god Before uh, we go into a time of offering, uh, the only thing I was going to say about uh, the sheep, <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, there is this cool thing about sheep that I found out, uh, Pastor DJ, you know, uh, just to piggyback off what you said. Uh, no, you know, it's, it's really cool because if you were to go to like David's sheep and you're like, hey, Fluffy, you know, come here, come, just come, you know, just come with me, come on. Uh, it's interesting, but the sheep won't follow you. They won't follow you. And their ears are trained to the voice of their shepherd. You know, and they don't go to a, a training school like you would send a dog. It's, it's that training comes through relationship with the shepherd. They know their shepherd's voice because they spend time with him. Because in the rain, the shepherd comes and tries to bring him under a tree or tries to bring him some sort of protection. And when the wolves come to attack, he, he strikes them down with a rod, like Pastor DJ was saying. I, I mean, it, it's so intense that when the shepherd even sighs to just get up, you know, oh, all right. The sheep already stopped eating and they're getting ready to move because they recognize the sounds, they recognize the voice of their shepherd. You guys go ahead and stand to your feet. And we thank you, God. 
So this morning, I just declare, I decree in the name of Jesus that God would start to tune your ear, that God would start to tune your spirit to hear him, to feel him. In the name of Jesus, I declare that you will start to see God, hear God, see the move of God in your life all around you, that your eyes would be opened to see the glory of God. You're going to start to see the goodness of God in everything and in every way around you, from the trees to the birds to your pets, everything. I pray to God right now in the name of Jesus that he will start to open your eyes and that you will see his goodness in the land of the living. So this morning, this is the time in our service where we, we worship God with our giving. And the only reason I don't read any giving verses is because you guys love to give. And you guys are amazing. I just feel this morning, as we get ready to give and we get ready to end this service, I, I, I just feel like God wants to give you something this morning. As we get ready to give, I feel like God wants to give you something this morning. So if you guys could just close your eyes. Holy Spirit, I ask you in the name of Jesus to just flow right now, Holy Ghost. Father, God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would release your Holy Spirit right now with intention. Holy Spirit, would you pierce the hearts of every person in this place. And God, I ask in the name of Jesus right now, Father, that you would open the gates of heaven, that you would open the floodgates of heaven. God, that you would give these people, God, your children, what they need this morning. God, whatever it is, Father. Whatever it is this morning, God, I'm asking you by the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you fill us up with your Holy Ghost and that you would give us what we need this morning. Father, your word says in Psalms 23, we have all that we need. You give us all that we need, God. We lack nothing, Father. So I ask you in the name of Jesus and according to your word, Father, that you would give them, God, right now what they need, Father. Whatever they need, God, whatever they lack, Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare according to your word that we lack nothing, God. We lack nothing, God, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. God, we lack nothing in the name of Jesus, Father. We thank you, God. We thank you. And I thank you for your people. Now, God, as they go today, I ask that you would bless them, that you would protect them. God, that you put a hedge of protection around them, God, in the name of Jesus. Father, I loose angels, God, according to your word. I loose angels for them in the name of Jesus, God. So wherever they go, wherever they drive, Father, would you be with them in Jesus' name, God. Send their angels, Father, to be with them. God, I love them, and I know you love them. And, Lord, I bless your people this morning in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Amen. Oh, we thank you. Hey, listen, I, we love you guys. God bless you. The ushers will be by the door if you'd like to worship with us and give. And please don't forget our prayer partners are up here for you. For you this morning, okay? We love you guys. God bless you. We'll see you next week.